G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Thursday, always good to catch up with Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Hello, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you. Good morning. Charles, let's lift our eyes a little beyond our shores. We are going to talk uh, election fallout Labor Party in just a few moments. But before we do that, there's some big things that are happening around the world just to draw attention to for a few moments. Uh, This idea of uh, Europe especially becoming a geopolitical chessboard, uh, people manoeuvring, the idea of a great power competition between nations. Uh, You've been reflecting on this this week, uh, what are your thoughts for what's happening as we look our uh, lifting our uh, our sights uh, towards Europe? Uh, Michel Barnier, the former vice president of the European Commission and the French foreign minister, wrote in the Australian today that the uh, geopolitical chessboard is back, which is his way of saying that there are great big blocks in the world reforming and uh, and exerting their influence. And he's talking uh, particularly about Russia and China. He's talking about the way in which Russia is interfering in the Euro elections, which are taking place this week, you know. And and the way in which it's it's exerting its influence, who it's backing. And and the irony is that it's, you know, he's saying that that Russia is backing, say, the far right, you know, the people that are the nationalists, uh, and this is this is kind of counterintuitive because uh, um, the, the Berlin Wall was built to keep the fascists out, <laughs> yep. you know? yep. and uh, and now uh, what Barnier is saying is that the fa- that the Russians who are the communists, the war was between the communists and the fascists back seventy years ago. Now uh, he, he's saying the communists, uh, the socialists, are actually funding the the fascists uh, to disrupt Europe. Uh, but nevertheless, um, that's that's what he's saying. He's saying Russia is brazenly breaking international law and asserting its regional influence by funding these different parties, and this is disrupting Europe and making uh, Europe ungovernable and, and, and fragmented. Just when so, we thought we had all of those political philosophies worked out because of the history of the 20th century, we're seeing... Everything changing uh, as leadership has changed, as different nations have evolved, as the progress that's happened in those nations has happened. Uh, and when we've got, uh, you know, issues like uh, Russia, as you say, you've got China, uh, you've got the US, you've got superpowers who have had this uh, world order worked out. There is a changing world order. Yeah. Uh, some more complexity in here, Charles. Uh, give us some more reflection. Well, what is happening is that Europe, uh, his, uh, Barnier's observation is that Europe has been preoccupied with Brexit, with the huge migration, with the rise of the right, uh, and its internal preoccupations have meant that it is not playing a role in international politics. And that vacuum 
is creating uh, space for Russian influence and Chinese influence to expand. And at the same time, the, the U.S. Uh, under Trump is putting the U.S. interests first instead of being the international policeman. It is now putting uh, U.S. influence uh, interests first. And that, again, is contributing to this, uh, this, uh, this open space in, in, in the world for Russia and China to expand their influence. And it's interesting that Banya uses language that we identify most with, um, with the left of politics, uh, which it comes from. Uh, he talks about uh, hegemony, this word that you don't hear very often, but we will hear more, which, which is, it refers to the fact that a nation um, like China, without trying to make moral judgment on China's influence here. I'm just saying that what they're doing with their economic expansion is they're creating a, a realm of influence, and that realm of influence is ever-expanding through the world. They, they, they are uh, insisting that they don't have imperial uh, interests. They just want trade interests. But the thing about trade is that trade, trade is a vehicle of culture. Uh, it's a vehicle of um, politics as well. Uh, and 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 we've seen this, how the West, uh, the, 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 the cultural interests of the West have, have, have been inseparable from its political interests. So now, because the West is in retreat to a, to a degree, um, it's creating this opportunity for, for non-Western zones and regions to become um, like Russia and China to have greater influence in the world. So, Charles, the thought that if Europe doesn't stand up and defend its own interests and especially its values, then there's potential there for it to become prey to other interests that are closing in on it uh, at every opportunity. Yes, the the thing about um, this is going to sound a little bit sort of um, conspiracist, uh, but um, my observation is that um, that the left of politics, um, the extreme left, um, the the the, the radicals, they they use any means possible to destabilise liberal and centre right uh, zones. So they, they're okay with whoever it is that's fighting and creating chaos. So if the right is creating chaos, then that, that's okay because what it means is the region becomes ungovernable, becomes so fragmented and ungovernable. And what we've seen in Australia uh, in the lead-up to this election is we've seen a polarisation in our society that has reached new levels of intensity. And, uh, and that plays into the, the greater uh, strategy um, of, of the radical left that wants to... Um, to create in Australia an environment where brother is against brother and father against son type thing. This kind of tensions, and then uh, it, 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 it causes the collapse of democracy and the collapse of Western values, and, and people get frustrated and they're willing to take whoever the saviour is that says, follow me, and uh, of course they'll offer, that, uh, they'll offer their hat in the ring. So th- th- this is happening in, in, in Europe very strongly as well, this fragmentation. And Brexit's the classical example that, uh, that, that if, 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 if and when the UK breaks away, it's like a big chunk of that European unity has been broken off. And, and they are afraid that, they'll, you know, that Italy will go next and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so... Um, what that means is that they that they're struggling to maintain their unity, their ideological unity, and their political unity as a as a block, the European bloc. 
and um, and Bonnier is calling for that, and he's saying it must be expressed by even um, you know not relying upon NATO, but the great European armies and also uh, its international influence. So um, I suppose it's a case of watch the space that that Australia is caught up. And how we see it playing out is that you may have picked up in the media that um, uh, that um, the Prime Minister called the, the US a, a friend of Australia and China a customer. And the Chinese press have recognised that, um, that that's not very flattering. They, 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 they don't feel that, that, that that's... They don't like that uh, distinction um, because it's saying they're not trusted. And, and we're going to have to work very carefully to uh, to maintain a kind of a balance. Because the thing about what was called the peaceful liberal or international order, uh, you know, that happened when Ronald Reagan said to Mr. Gorbachev, break down that wall. And uh, for a brief moment there in the 1990s, it seemed like everybody would just play nicely and, um, you know, we'd stop this kind of imperialistic expansion from one block to another. Um, that's that's over, and uh, and we're entering a new era of international politics where there's tensions and uh, strong competitions for influence. Always interesting to reflect on Europe, which is one of the most significant centres where secularisation has taken over and uh, where the church has seen something as being like a relic of the past and uh, a distant memory of the values that actually uh, were very powerful in the formation of a great uh, sense of those nations in Europe. And uh, there's a sense here too, Charles, uh, we've been feeling the effects of those sorts of thoughts. And let's bring the conversation back home because Chris Bowen bowed out of the race for the Labor leadership yesterday and, in fact, drew attention to the fact that the ALP, in fact, abandoned religious Australians. What were your thoughts when he made those sorts of comments? Yes, he, he, his seat um, is the, the Western Sydney seat of McMahon. So it's a seat where ethnic minorities um, are in large, uh, in large numbers. And um, he says that the, the Labour's stance on religious freedoms have, had been raised with him in the wake of the party's crushing election defeat. It's like somebody else had to bring it to his attention. It's like that there was an ideological blinker uh, on on Labour uh, uh, about the significance of people of faith, and they didn't want to hear from those people. They felt that the, that they they had the numbers; they could do, they could do without uh, the religious vote. Uh, but he, he then says he'd noticed that as he'd been around during the election campaign, how often it had been raised with him that people of faith no longer feel that progressive politics cares about them, and so people were talking to him, but he wasn't listening. And he says these are people are with social conscience who want to be included in the progressive movement. And I just want to pick up on Bowen's language here. He's willing to, because he's talking back to the labor movement, he, he uses the language of social conscience, uh, um, that, that people of faith are people of social conscience, that, that the Labour Party will recognize that social conscience is acceptable. The idea of moral conscience and religious conscience is not acceptable, but the, but, but the least he's... he's he snuck the word conscience in there. But then he also talks about this, uh, the Labour Party as the progressive movement. And, um, and he doesn't really realise that by calling uh, themselves the progressive movement, what they're doing is they're doing 
they're doing to other people, what China felt that, that uh, Morrison was doing to them by calling them customers, that what they're actually doing is they're saying, look, we are the progressives and everybody else are cave-dwelling knuckle-draggers. Um, you know, and that's, that's an offensive uh, distinction. You know, it, it suggests that anybody who's not part of the labor movement or the progressive movement is, is an idiot, and that's what came out, that people resented the fact that Labour was talking down to them. And I, I heard, you know, Penny Wong in the, in, the, um, in the election process actually talk about the fact that, um, that they'd failed to communicate clearly to bring people up to where they were at, you know, that uh, the progressives were so much more intelligent and smarter about this. It's, it's offensive because it suggests that the average person is stupid, but they're not. They're running businesses and they're running families and they're working in their community, running soccer teams and netball teams and all that sort of thing. They're holding the nation together at a local level. These people are, are, are middle Australia. There's quite a Australians that must not be treated as if they're, they're idiots. We have to listen to them. And so, yeah, so I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of work that's going to, to be done. And, and the challenge is that very often, you know, a great defeat like this um, is, a, is a moment of realisation. And the question is whether the changes in policy, are, you know, Albanese is sort of trying to hold a an olive branch out to um, uh, to the, the middle Australia, as it were. Um, is it sincere or is it just political? That's what people are going to ask the question. You know, if if this was sincere, why didn't you hold the the progressives to account before the election? Why did you let them treat us like we are knuckle draggers? Um, that's that's the challenge. Well, uh, let's assume that perhaps it might have been a vision listener or two that might have passed on some thoughts to Chris Bowen during that campaign. And uh, when we talk about uh, these sorts of values, uh, we've not been silent on this program uh, for years no. talking about these values. Yeah. So clearly the ALP has not been listening uh, to vision. Uh, and uh, so hopefully uh, some of those uh, those thoughts may have come from uh, people who have been listening to vision and perhaps reflected those to Chris Bowen. But it, it just draws me to... Uh, a conversation uh, or an interview I saw last night with Anthony Albanese and uh, his response to the idea that Chris Bowen had mentioned that religious people had been left out of the yeah. scenario was really to avoid that at yeah. all costs. Yeah. In fact, he began yeah. to talk about LGBT rights. Uh, exactly. That was not even a response to the question. So uh, there's not a lot of hope there that he actually understands anything about religious faith. Yes, I, I direct listeners to an article by Kevin Donnelly in the commentary section of The Australian this morning um, called Christians Hold the Centre. And in this, he writes exactly to that issue. He's a very insightful person. And he says that um, that uh, for, for more than 12 million Christians across Australia, Falau being victimised demonstrated that religious freedom was uh, was threatened as things stood under any Labour straight Greens coalition whose freedoms would cease to, those freedoms would cease to exist. The ALP, while stating it was opposed to appointing a religious freedom commissioner to the, uh, the Australian Human Rights Commission, signalled that once in government, it would appoint an LGBTIQ commissioner. And, and so there's, there's, you know, this is the challenge that the progressives that have taken over the Labour Party, they are anti-Christian. And um, and old labour. There's a lot of people 
that that voted Labor and historically, and because of social justice issues, real social justice issues that that uh, that must not be neglected, and uh, but they, they are silenced. They've mar- been so marginalised, and so th- this is a time where the Labor Party is going to have to do a lot of soul searching about whether it's going to go through a radical renewal and get back to its base or whether it's going to continue to be led by um, the so-called progressives. And there's this sort of lowest common denominator, uh, trying to include people of faith, the religious people, uh, into what uh, Chris Bowen was referring to as this uh, progressive agenda. But there is a sense, Charles, in which uh, people who are Christian believers are not just people with a social conscience. Uh, There is a deeper appreciation of the religious aspects of who we are. And uh, this is something that perhaps we need to deepen on every level. What are your thoughts? I I agree. I think that we're challenged as the Christian community to find new language, but to find language that isn't the language that the Labour Party or the the progressives are giving us. Like, for instance, they will tolerate the label religious because, in a sense, it's got that demeaning value, you know, that you're a little bit of an idiot um, uh, type thing. Uh, But actually, we are not religious, you know. We we are true believers, Um, uh, our faith is is very personal. Our faith is in in a personal God who is actually present. It's not an idea. We don't believe an idea about God. We believe in God. We are in relationship with God, and uh, and He influences us and sets the tone of our whole life, not just our political opinions, but including our political opinions. And uh, we we uh, I'm 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 calling for us to come out of the silos, you know. Uh, that the, the ideological silos that separate us, where and, and some people want to stay in those silos because they're so persuaded that there's nothing to be gained by dialogue. They don't want to be diluted in any way. But as a nation, um, um, we're not just we're not just a, a kind of religious in a kind of a generic sense that um, we've always gone to church because that's what you do. You know, we're religious by conviction. We are Christians by conviction, and. And we are, this is, a, Jesus is the core of our life and identity. And so for us as, Christ, as Christians, it's time to shift beyond the language of the, the generic term God to the more personal language of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and, to, and to bring this into the public debate and to help non-Christians get used to the idea that, that when, when Christians talk about faith, they're talking about Jesus. And they're talking about his great vision for humanity and his great intervention for the reconciliation and redemption of humanity. Well, we might ask, who are the true believers? Interesting that you use that terminology, Charles, because that's a terminology that's certainly been yeah. picked up by the ALP to talk about the true yeah. believers, uh, rousing, yeah. you know, those uh, those who are, uh, you know, from the trade unions. and But recognising that those traditional labour values that we often think about, uh, fairness and fighting for the worker, that those were born out of Christian values. Yes. Uh, but things have changed dramatically. And uh, so I suppose when we think of Chris Bowen and his call not to ignore those people of faith, those religious Australians, uh, there's an opportunity there. Perhaps while there is a listening ear uh, from the ALP for people to speak into that space. 
Charles, yes. Yep. Well, um, any last comment on that? Well, just uh, that um, you know the labour movement is what it is today because uh, because Christians in the labour movement kind of vacated the space. It was hard. There was pressure. They were marginalised. They vacated the space. And that's the tendency of Christians generally. We don't like to fight. Uh, but sometimes we must see the importance of defending, and defending what's important and engaging in order to defend what's important. And religious freedom is one of those issues today. Well, Charles Newington, uh, always appreciate your insights. Uh, National Director of Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au, and no doubt there'll be some more articles coming there uh, that help us to understand uh, what's happening in Australia politically, what's happening in relation to the family, what's happening internationally, as we've been discussing today. Charles, thanks for taking some time to share your thoughts with us on 2020. It's a privilege. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.